a behind-the-scenes experience of the Anaheim Ducks front office with two-time Stanley Cup champion and general manager Pat Verbeek. This is The Beak. Welcome everyone to the first edition of The Beak here on DuckStream. I'm Alexis Downey, joined in the Paul Korea studio by the Anaheim Ducks general manager, Pat Verbeek. Pat, great to have you. What do you think about this studio? Well, it's a little small <laughs> compared to Tima Solani's room over there. So anyway, yeah, no, it's good. Nice little studio. Now, I heard that you actually wanted the name of the show to be The Beaker instead. Correct. Yeah. So I think we can get that changed for, you right, for next time. You know some people that can do that? <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. Good. So right. you heard it here first. Next time you listen, it will be called The Beaker. Right, there you go. I like that better. <laughs> and that is your nickname? Yes. And where did that come from? Uh, just... Just your last name? Just the last <laughs> name. And then like anybody, add an ER to the end. And that's how it happened. So yeah, All right. pretty basic. So for fans that are listening, I want to go back a little bit and talk about your childhood. So you grew up with parents that were farmers, specifically pig farmers. Yes. Yeah. No, I grew up uh, on the farm. Um, had my first job when I was five years old. And uh, it just kind of continued there. Uh and then kind of progressed, learned how to do a lot of different things. Um, you know, drove tractor, you know, started really driving tractor at 10 years old and, and, you know, um, you know, cultivating the fields and, uh, you know, working long hours and that kind of where it's really where I learned a lot about work ethic and, you know, my parents, uh, being great examples of that, uh, working on the farm, we work long hours and, um, um, and it, it, uh, it turned out to be a blessing, you know, I hated it back then, but it's a, it's a blessing today. And did you have any siblings that also worked on the farm with you? Yeah, all, we all, we all worked. Mm -hmm. Um, we all had a different responsibilities. Um, it was actually kind of a, it, uh, it started out as a small pork operation and kind of really grew to uh, a pretty big one. Um, my parents now have, uh, well, my dad ended up just selling one of one of the uh, the one that we grew up on. He ended up selling that one. But my mom actually, she's like eighty one years old right now, and she still runs a twenty five hundred sow operation. Wow. So um, it's still there. My dad actually runs um, a day to day operation of a, a seventy acre greenhouse that we we own, which probably employs about one hundred and fifty people uh, in that operation. So it's a it's a pretty big operation, and and uh, as well. So now we. Usually, uh, with, with the exception of this past uh, spring, I always go back to the farm and put the crops on the ground for my dad. So um, this was a little, un and I may do that again next, you know, next spring. Um, I enjoy it. Um, it gives uh, me great pleasure to to do it uh, to plant the crops, and then as you go back in the summertime, you can kind of see you know, uh, your work and if you've done it well, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's a cool thing. It's very rewarding, uh, for me to, to do that. And now having a family of your own and five kids of your own, do you take them back with you and have they gotten to learn any of it? No, actually I've kind of, um, they, uh, have not, I, you know, I take them there, but they don't, uh, they've never really participated in any of that sort of thing other than uh when they were kids they would visit their grandma and grandpa and they would get on you know the the you know the little um i call them you know four wheelers you know the atvs and they would drive those around and have fun you know on that sort of thing but other than that no they never really i think we took our kids uh my mom would take our you know our kids to the you know to the barn you know when they were young three four five but other than that you know just to kind of she would have them 
you know, catch the little pigs that needed, uh, you know, needed, uh, needling and that sort of thing, you know, it, you know, their, uh, their vitamins and that sort of thing. Now, going back to that, I mean, how did you get started in hockey? Where did it all begin for you? The interest in it? I mean, growing up in Canada, I'm sure it was still of interest, but where did it all start for you? Uh, I started skating when I was two and a half. Um, started watching hot started watching hockey on tv when i was five that's really when i started to play and it was kind of just a little saturday afternoon noon or saturday morning house league um that i started in and then from there i don't know it just it the love it, it, it really grew by seven years old i was like i loved you know i loved the game so much and and um um, you know, you have these little feelings, but you know, at seven years old, I knew kind of what I wanted to do at some, you know, you know, that I would have loved to become an NHL player. And did you have a game or a player that you modeled your game after or someone that you well, enjoyed watching? Yeah, I started out, uh, Bobby Orr. So when I was younger, I played defense for a while and then, um, it, I ch it changed, it changed. I went to forward and after probably when I was like 10 years old, I uh, really uh, liked Bobby Clark. I loved the intensity that he brought. Uh, he had a nice combination of uh, uh, skill and sense and uh, playmaking ability and scoring and uh, kind of loved how he, his work ethic and he competed so hard. And so I tried to follow my game after him um, primarily. And that's why I, wear, I wore the number 16, you know, whenever I could. A great number. Yeah, as your your favorite too. <laughs> well, you had a long NHL career, a lot of memories, I'm sure, from that. But one of the ones that I would like to talk about is the 1999 no goal Sabres Stars game. And you were. Well, you say no goal. Well, well it, but everybody says a goal. If you well, Google have, it, it says no goal. Well, I, I have. What is a, your what's your I've, thought on well, it? Well, I've got a ring that says different. <laughs> so, and I got my name on the cup for that too. So. It was a unique situation. I actually, early in the year, and we had, if we can kind of go back to th that rule, yeah. it was kind of, it, was, it wasn't a good time, you know, um, as far as how goals are being, you know, with that rule. With If your toe was in the crease uh, at any time, they usually disallowed the goal. But what, I had a similar goal that was allowed um, and where I had to, pull the puck from one side of the goalie and then pull it out, you know, outside the crease and rotate my feet and to pull it around them. And while I was rotating the puck with my, with my puck on the puck on my stick, my, my feet went into the crease and I shot it into the empty net. They actually reviewed the goal and I, I couldn't figure out why they were reviewing the goal, but my feet went in the crease and say, well, your feet can't go in the crease. Yeah. But I had the puck on my stick. So what ultimately ended up being decided was if you have control of the puck, um, it counts as a goal. And then in that same circumstance, as you can see, Holly, um, you know, had to pull the puck past the goalie and had, had to rotate his feet and then shoot the puck into the net. So that was deemed control of the puck. And, and that's why the goal counted. And when you talk to him after the game, I mean, did he, he believe that was a goal, a good goal? Well did. Yeah. And, um, you know, after three overtimes, we certainly didn't want to put our stuff back on right. and have to go back and play. No, no. So no, that's kind of like, uh, we saw, as we saw it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a goal, it's one thing at the, I actually had a goal disallowed during that playoffs in, in a series earlier with Colorado. And it was one of the weirdest plays. Like I, I still can't fathom why the goal didn't count. So 
the puck was coming from my from the left wing side and i was going to the back door and the puck came through the crease and i'm getting ready to tap it through back door well the puck comes out of the crease and my toe goes in the crease while i'm going to the back door and i tap the puck in but since my toe went into the crease before the the puck it it's ridiculous it was a is just a natural play to tap it in and they disallowed it so it's like it, it, it was a, one of, just one of those weird mm -hmm. plays. And I thank God they, they did away with it because it was ridiculous. <laughs> well, during your playing days, you also got the nickname Little Ball of Hate. I want to know where that started. That started uh, in New York uh, with Glenn Healy. Um, it really became, I was kind of a grumpy guy on the ice. And, um, and Ray Ferraro, he was known as, um, the big ball of hate cause he was grumpy off the ice and I was grumpy on, on the <laughs> ice. So I became little ball of hate and he was big ball of hate, um, you know, on the ice so, or off the ice. So it kind of stuck, uh, when I went to Dallas, it really stuck, but guys called me that there in New York, but it, it really stuck when I went to Dallas. Certainly a lot of penalty minutes during your career as well. So is that, that correlates there? <laughs> well, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of, it didn't take, I had a quick temper. It didn't take a lot for me to get mad, um, which was kind of nice. Like there was days like, you know, you never felt good and it, I could suddenly, get the adrenaline going the way, you know, what needed to be, you know, done on the ice in order to get playing better, you know? So there's some days I just, <laughs> your body doesn't feel good. And so I was glad that I can summon, you know, you know, some anger to play. And if you see Ray Ferraro now, do you still, do you call him that? No, no, <laughs> I do not. I, I actually call him Pee Wee. Oh, yeah. Where did that come from? From Hartford. He was just, just a little guy. We just call him Pee Wee. <laughs> Well, now that you've moved into the business side of hockey, I mean, you've spent some time in Tampa. You were a part of building the team down there. You were in Detroit as well. Can you talk about the couple things that you lead with into an organization, whether it's the work ethic, the leadership, all of those things are, are important to you? Well, I think... Uh... Where it's really important, it really starts at the top. So I, you know, that the thing, you know, with both organizations that I, you know, that I left, um, you know, I think ownership is, is key to any successful uh, hockey team. And I think um, Jeff Finnick was a great owner, awesome owner, awesome to work for. And the same with Chris Illich in, in Detroit. So both those owners let, uh, you know, hockey ops and their management team, you know, allowed them to do their job. Um, they just let them do their job, you know? Mm -hmm. So whatever they thought, you know, was, you know, it was always discussed with the ownership and stuff like that, but they let them do their jobs in, in the sense that, um, they, they weren't overbearing. They were just, you know, it was, a, it was a, like a, a really good partnership, um, with the general manager, Steve Eisenman with ownership. So, um, and I think that's uh, a key thing. And then, um, with players, uh, you know, the philosophy is, you know, I try not to bring players into the NHL before their time. Um, you know, I'm, we're, we have a similar situation with, um, you know, Zegris is a young player, Drysdale's, you know, those guys are now starting to take, you know, steps that, uh, you know, the organization needs. Now, Mason McTavish, um, you know, he's, he's going to be on the team this year. So expectations for him aren't, um, um, you know, high, you know, I, I want, I don't want to put any expectations on him. I want him to really learn the league, learn, um, you know, the, 
you know, they have to, you know, it's it's going to be hard, you know, in certain circumstances to uh, play against best players in the world. So there's going to be a learning curve there for him. So, you know, and I think there's nothing for him left to prove in junior. He's po he's won possibly everything he can possibly win. Um, and so I think he's ready for the next step. Now, is it, you know, is it is it a big step? Yeah, it could be a mm -hmm. big step. But I think he's capable. I know he's got the work ethic. He's got the commitment. And I think he's willing to put in the time, not only on the ice, but off the ice um, in the video room. So I, I, think, uh, he, I think he's ready for it. And you mentioned Steve Eiserman. You worked with him in Detroit. What are some of the things that you learned from him, and what is your relationship with like? Oh, uh, like? it's really good. Like we we played together. We were line mates in in Detroit um, my last couple of years there, and so. Uh, but and then we and then we actually worked together when I was a pro scout with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, so we would developed uh, you know a relationship there as far as going to games and scouting, and then when when uh, I went when he got the job in Tampa, I went with him. So it was a uh, just a process that kind of we I we think the game very similar. We look at players uh, very similarly. So I think one of the things that was um, uh, learning from him is he's patient, uh, and that was kind of uh, you know and I. I've tried to really, um, and it's, it, he's taught me to be that way. And so I've kind of, kind of really try to slow things down. Um, and not, uh, when you feel that, uh, you know, you want to make a move, you know, just take that little extra time to really think everything, every situation, every, um, scenario that can possibly happen and, uh, and talk it over, you know, and trust the people that we have, you know, in our scouting department, trust all the people, uh, those people as well. So, uh, that is, you know, kind of what I've learned from him. And I think it's going to really serve well here. You, using those things that you've learned here. One of the things that's kind of a little bit unique here with the Ducks is the mixing of business and hockey operations. How have you been able to be a part of that and really encourage that? Well, I, I think we look at, uh, you know, I, I, Aaron Teets and I have, uh, I've gotten to really know one another well over the last six months. And I think we're looking at our whole organization as one team. So um, things that affect me um, affect him as well. And things that affect him affect me. So we're trying, we really um, collaborate on different things, whether it's um, marketing and, uh, you know, player appearances, that sort of thing. Um, that's, uh, you know, they, and I think, you know, players being out in the community is, is very crucial to the organization, um, for many aspects. So, uh, we, we work together a lot on those situations. You talk about the players, the final roster being announced today, Pavel Regenda being one of those guys on the roster. Can you talk about what the coming to that has been like and seeing him through camp? Well, it's actually, it's been surprising. Um, we watched him at the world championships and, uh, we liked the player. We liked, you know, he had good size. We liked, uh, his skill. He has, he has good sense. And, uh, you know, we were, so he's making the, the opening roster and, and we're going to see where it goes. Like, uh, the hardest thing that, you know, coming from the big ice to smaller ice, um, sometimes it translates, sometimes it doesn't. Um, North America, the NHL is a tough place to play. So we're going to just see how it goes. And, and, uh, but where he's earned, uh, earned the right to, you know, start the season here and, and, uh, see what, I mean, he had a, 
he had a great uh, preseason. Um, every every night, with maybe the exception of one night where you know he um, he wasn't quite on you know at the top of his game, but I mean that's expected. Um, he's played very well. We've been very very excited and uh, pleasantly surprised. With opening night this week, what is something that you're anticipating and kind of looking forward to this season? Well, I kind of, there's, there's a couple things looking to see, um, how our young guys are going to progress. Uh, you know, it's going to be Zegris and Drysdale, you know, there's newer expectations on them as far as, you know, performing in my experience has been, it's always, you know, the first year is probably your easiest year to play. And then the second year becomes a little more difficult because teams now start to key on you more. Uh, they know your game better. Um, so it, there's going to be um, some challenges, you know, for our younger players uh, moving ahead. I'm, I'd like to see, you know, Max Comtois, you know, have a good bounce back year. Uh, uh, Jonesy is just kind of getting back in the lineup after missing all last year. He had a good preseason. So there's some things to look at, uh, you know, from that, from the for forward standpoint that, uh, you know, guys could be. Um, have bounce back years or just years that um, really, you know, take off uh, a little higher. I mean, Troy Terry, you know, he's, he's another one that's, uh, you know, he's probably going to get keyed upon uh, more uh, this year than say maybe last year. So there's all, there's lots of things to learn. I think with these players um, from their own games and from what we can learn as well, just uh, watching them play the game. So, and then when I look back on the fence, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, Kulikov bringing him in um, will be a good help for Drysdale. And I think Klingberg's going to help uh, um, Fowler, you know, in, in the top pairing as well as uh, Drysdale being able to, you know, or Klingberg being able to mentor Drysdale in certain offensive situations. Now, outside of the rink, one of the things that I forgot to mention, but that you enjoy to do is training hunting dogs. So when you're not working at the rink or working around hockey, where did that start? Uh, that started when I <laughs> retired, actually. Uh, didn't know a thing about dog training and just sort of went and hung around some of dog trainers and just watched them do things. And then eventually, as, you know, I read just about every book you can almost possibly read on, on you know, different um, gurus that are out there with dog training and then just started doing it myself. And then when I got this last dog, um, I had to run him through testing. And so uh, that be forced me become even more diligent, just learn all kinds of different uh, techniques on getting things accomplished uh, in the field. When some uh, dogs are really like kids, you really, they have different personalities, mm -hmm. different things motivate them. Um, sometimes food does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, uh, praise sometimes they need to be yelled at like it's 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 really cool but the thing when you get finished training them and then you do take them to the field that's when they make you most proud that's the that's where i really get the enjoyment out of it uh and they're they're uh, you know they're so loving and they so eager to please and that, that gives me complete joy Will we see any of these dogs around the office someday? No, no, they do not come around the office. No, no, they are going to stay at home. They stay, they stay in the house. My wife gets to watch them from time to time. And will your family be able to come out to some of the games this season too? I know your daughter got married this summer. 
Yes, my oldest daughter got married uh, this summer, which was uh, which was a fun wedding. It was a good time. That uh, I, I I like to use the saying. That's another one off the books. <laughs> so I have five kids. So that uh, that uh, makes three now. And I just my middle child. She just got engaged uh, this uh, just recently, probably about a month ago. So there's probably a wedding in the next uh, I don't know year and a half or so. Well, Pat, a lot to look forward to this season. Next time you're on here, the beaker will be the name. The beaker, that's right. So thank you for joining us today here in the Korea studio. All right, my pleasure. Thank you. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on Duck Stream.